Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Unveiling Grace podcast. We are so glad you've decided to join us. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And Joel, I have been watching the TV series Under the Banner of Heaven. I read the book a few years ago, and uh, this is a very dark TV series for me. It goes to some of the worst doctrinal points of original Mormonism, particularly um, it goes to polygamy and priesthood power from men and things like special revelation, uh, dominance over other folks. It even goes to things like blood atonement. um, Right. which is is the idea that there are some sins that you commit that are unforgivable sins. And if you want those sins to be forgiven, then you have to literally have your own blood shed and your own blood has to pay for those sins that somehow Jesus' uh, sins didn't cover all of that. Now, um, Mormons might be quite offended by it. And yet I was LDS for 30 years, and I've really found nothing in it that isn't true to Mormon scripture and Mormon history. In fact, I worked in Mormon temple for 10 years, and there's a little scene from the temple in uh, one of the episodes that I've recently watched. And because I worked in the temple, I know that one of the phrases that they said is missing a word, or it was okay. just a little <laughs> Yes. And I know that uh, one of the signs that they had them do in the temple, if I were working in the temple that day, I would have to have them redo it because it wasn't quite right. right. <laughs> yes. Other than that, it's been pretty accurate. But This has stirred up some ideas in me from something I've been thinking about. First of all, Joel, you've never been LDS, but do you know that you are a saint? Okay. Um, (laughs) Yes. According according to the biblical definition, I am definitely a saint and I'm living in the latter days, probably. So you are, you are a saint. The Bible says anyone who professes faith in Christ, right? And you have you have to have the right Christ, of course, the biblical yes. Christ, then is a saint, becomes a child of God at the point of faith, and yes. is a saint. What in the world does that mean? And why am I bringing this up today? Well, it's because... Say so, Lynn. Why are you bringing this up today? <laughs> oh, I my. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about, so from under the banner of heaven, Is that our identity in Christ or from the Bible, do we have a different identity in Christ? And what is that identity and how do the Mormon identity in Christ, well, in the Mormon church 
and the biblical identity in Christ, how are they different? And so I want, I want to talk about that. Um, In under the banner of heaven, this Lafferty family, which did actually exist, I believe this happened in American Fork, if I remember right, from Uh years ago, I lived in Alpine, so it wasn't very far from us. It was a family that then got into Mormon fundamentalism. And uh, the brothers, the Lafferty brothers got back to polygamy. And they certainly believed that they held the priesthood of God, that they had the power of God, and that they ruled over their women. Yes. And that they should have many women that would sleep with them to produce progeny for them so that they could go on forever and eventually become a god. This is actually Mormon doctrine because it's in their scriptures. And although Mormons don't believe live polygamy today, they believe that the, you know, the righteous will do it in the next life. And so it sets up certainly the show, you get the feeling that the men dominate right. and that the women are subservient. And one of the things they're subservient to is their men's conversations with God or their men's revelations from God right. or some kind of prophet in their particular group who yes. believes he's speaking with God has some kind of personal revelation, although it's not really personal because he then turns around and gives it to all the underlings under him, yes. feeling like they too need to do what what he thinks God told him to do. Right. Um, well, within and so for our non-LDS audience, it's helpful to understand that Mormon revelation is very hierarchical in that anyone who is above you in authority or in rank, or in the case of marriage, the husband being over the wife, has the right and the authority to receive revelation of God for your life. But it doesn't go both ways. Revelation always only flows downward. So nobody in a subservient or an under position can have a revelation that's binding on the people above them. And so within, within the context of marriage, the wife is always under the priesthood authority of the man. And so at any point, a man can receive a revelation from God for his wife that is binding. And that started all the way back with Joseph Smith getting revelations for Emma about her need to accept polygamy, but it can never go the other way around. A wife can't go to her husband and say, God gave me this revelation for you about how you need to change or how you need to act or something you need to do. Because the typical answer to that will be, well, that must've come from the devil. Because that's not God's direct order of things, right? Exactly. So literally as a Mormon wife, I was only allowed to get revelation for anything that I had what Mormons call stewardship over. So I had stewardship over young children, maybe as their Mm -hmm. mom. I had stewardship over people that I was assigned over in a calling. Okay. Say I I was a chorister and in the primary organization or something, then those primary children, I might get a revelation for them related to my calling. But other than that, that was all I could get. And yet now as a Christian, Joel and I do this podcast together and Joel and I pray (laughs) equally. Right. And um, if I have an insight, Joel listens. Yes. We speak into each other's lives. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's very different than what I'm used to. Yeah. And uh, I thank God now for the idea that I feel like I'm worthy, that I can actually um, speak into other people's lives or that God can do that through me. Right. So, and I, would, so, I just want to say, you've mentioned in past episodes and people, probably people like Google, like Lynn and Mike in our, in our episode search, you and Mike had to rethink and wrestle through even your own relational dynamic once you both came to Christ because that authority dynamic changed um, in even how you related to one another um, as people within your own marriage. Uh, and so I that's was just quite one of the confused. <laughs> I can imagine, yes. In um, fact, um, the Adams Road Ministry had been in Southern California a few years ago, and we were with them, and we met Kirk Cameron, who does a lot of marriage things in churches, yes. like how to have a Christian marriage. And he was here in Fort Myers one time, and Mike and okay. I, we were right there, and we took other uh, ex-Mormon friends of ours to hear what Kirk Cameron had to say, because all of a sudden everything was new. And for a while, I thought we were going to actually need some of those long weekends. That the churches <laughs> did. But we kind of got through that. Well, good. We should so, bring Mike on and let him tell his point of view. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, where you were going with this is under the banner of heaven does provide an accurate portrayal of this authority structure and it's this very priesthood authority and the idea of men being able to have revelation and to a large degree, even control the lives of women under their authority. That's, that's what motivates um, the crimes and the killings that are kind of the central, the central focus of this new miniseries and, and the book. So, so if you ask me who I was, what my identity was it, when I was Mormon, I would have said Mormon, right? I'm yes. a woman. My role is to have children eternally. Um, let's see what else. I need a husband yes. to be resurrected to the highest kingdom. But also, um, I would have identified myself by my job by my achievements, by who was in my circle of friends, by what my house looked like, what kind of car I drove, all of those external things that have no value in, <laughs> in God's world. Right. Paul certainly didn't have them. Um, and people weren't drawn to him because of those. Now in Christ, our identity flows uh, um, from Christ. And so let's talk about how that's different. One of the things about the Mormon thing, because I was always judging myself against other people. So you've got this constant judging going on, right. this measuring stick mm -hmm. all day, every day. Am I better than them? Are they better than me? Am I doing okay? Um, two things come out of self-esteem when you're constantly looking at yourself compared to other people. Either you're going to have high self-esteem and say, wow, I'm a priesthood holder. I have authority. God's pleased with me. I'm doing all the right things. I've got a good job, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And my and family's now, going well. My husband's business is prospering. Yeah. 
And that breeds pride, that breeds pride and sometimes aggression and sometimes dominance, right? But there's another way that can go. If you're constantly measuring yourself against other people, you might come out with low self-esteem saying, whoa, I can't do that. Oh, so-and-so's family is perfect. My family will never be like that. Oh, I could never do that. Oh, Heavenly Father would never bless me with a calling like that, right? And so, but here's the trick of that. That looks like humility maybe to the outside world, but that is false humility, false, because it's no different than having the high self-esteem. Why? Because you are still the center of your world. All you're doing is thinking about yourself, measuring yourself against other people, thinking, what can I do? Who can I talk to? Where can I go? How can I make things different? It's all about you, 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 right? As if you had all that control. Right. And that very low self-esteem comes from the fact that you've accepted that those other things are a proper measuring stick for value or for worth. And so you're using the same measuring stick, whether you think you're reaching it or surpassing it, or whether you're failing to measure up, the problem is not the high or the low. It's the standard that you're using to judge yourself and other people. And within biblical Christianity, the standard just changes under the new covenant. The standard, it's not even the same standard. It's a totally different standard, which is, I think is where you were wanting to have us eventually get to. <laughs> yeah. How does that work under the new covenant? Well, I, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to pull out some scripture. Let's see. Good. Um. Christ chose us in him before the foundation of the world. When I read that, that rocked my world. You mean there's a God who loves me and knows me so intimately that he chose me in him before the foundation, before he ever put the world together. He knew that I would be one of his sheep that I should be holy and without blame before him. No, I didn't make myself holy. Right. I became holy when I accepted Jesus as my savior in love, having predestined me. I'm going to put myself in this scripture yes. to adoption as a son or as a daughter, of course, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Imagine a God that loved me so much. He knew me and wanted me before he formed the earth. Now that doesn't mean that I lived in a pre-existence. That just right. means that he knew that I would come to be that I would want to be his daughter, that he would uh, be my savior to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We're made acceptable. We're, We're transformed from the inside out. And that we talked about, we mentioned the new covenant and we've done some episodes on the new covenant, but that is what Jesus inaugurates in his new covenant. He inaugurates and makes possible a way 
for all his perfection to get credited to our account. And that's how we're made acceptable. And that's why we are acceptable, not by what we pull off or by measuring up to some standard. No, the standard is perfection. God set the standard. Jesus met the standard. And once Jesus, having met the standard of perfection and having been perfect, he now says, okay, yeah, you are far from perfect. You will never be perfect, but you know what? I will trade all your imperfection and all your sin for my perfection as a, as a gift of grace, as an act of faith. You come to me and you say, here it is. All I've got, all I've got is my messed up, broken self. I'm willing to trade that for the perfection of Jesus and have that now get credited to me and have that be what defines my relationship mm-hmm. with God and with other people. And that's our identity and it's that identity that frees us from either that high or low self-esteem because as, I mean, as a, I'll just talk about me here. I won't bother generalizing beyond myself. I have days where my self-esteem is like, it's like skyrocketing. I feel so good at myself. Life is going well. And I can get caught up in that. Wow. And everything is just like amazing. And I'm amazing. And God's amazing. And life's amazing. And look at how great I'm doing. But really that's again, looking at me. And the truth is on my best days, when I'm feeling that God doesn't love me anymore. It's not like, he's like, Oh, Joel's on top of the world. I really like him now. I'm, you know, I'm so no. Cause it's like, no, I love Joel because my, I see Jesus in Joel. And the same thing is true on my worst days. And I'm just like, Oh gosh, I messed that up so badly or I totally missed that opportunity or like what happened a few weeks ago. I just like totally lied to that person and manipulated them and used them and their good graces for something I needed. And I did have to go back and apologize, which I did. Um, But even in, even in that time when I'm like, Oh gosh, that was like, that's like so low. That is like so far from who I want to be and who I am at that moment. That doesn't love me any less. He's like, Oh yeah. You're like, really messed up. So no, Jesus is still, (laughs) Jesus is still my identity. So as Christians, I think we have to be again, struggling against those two extremes and realizing that those two extremes are really motivated by the flesh. Not that it's not good to enjoy when God is blessing. I mean, enjoy when things are going well, but just make sure the focus always goes back to Jesus, not me. That's where I get tripped up is when I become the focus of the good or the bad. And be careful not to allow your feelings to dictate reality, right? Oh yeah. Because either way, when you're really messed up, man, those feelings, those low, you can just go, I can, I'm so good. I throw the best pity parties. They can go for days. Um, they are so dark and dismal and just, um, So yeah, uh, our feelings do not determine our reality. So in the world, basically, the world says you have to make your own way. You make your own reality. You make your own feelings. You determine whether you have a large house, whether you're sick or not, even some people think. So God helps those who help themselves, Joel. That's what everybody thinks. <laughs> uh, yes. Is that in the Bible? 
I think, isn't that Hezekiah 16, <laughs> three? It's not in the Bible. <laughs> Hezekiah is not in the Bible people, not as a book. Um, yes. And yet that's, that's at the core though. That is at the core of LDS theology. And secular too. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I had a Mormon missionary try to have a conversation with me yesterday about why the Bible is not reliable. Oh, really? Yeah, it is just amazing. Um, It's amazing how much folks don't know about their own scriptures and about, about all of this. And so one thing that you and I always try to do here is to present God's point of view. Right. And, and point out to Mormons how different it is from theirs. But identity is one of these things. Identity is not built on your works or how good you are, what kind of a calling you have. Right. Your identity is in Christ. And then Christ brings works for you to do. It's not that yep. you go tick boxes. And sometimes those works are very difficult and you may not have enough mm-hmm to wear or to eat or to Paul certainly had a tough life. All of the apostles were killed except for John, right? Mm -hmm. John was the only one who probably died a natural death. Um, It's very difficult to be in Christ. And yet the peace, the Bible says it surpasses understanding. And that certainly is the case. So who are we in Christ? Someday I'll stand in front of the father and Jesus, because I've given my life to Jesus, will say, nah, she's mine. Right. Right. I cover her. Mm -hmm. I cover her. She's good. She doesn't have to. um, She doesn't have to go through all of her sins. Right. Because my perfect life covers that. It's done. Right. Um, I love that. It's given me a freedom like nothing else. And one of those freedoms, Joel, is that I don't have to worry about other what other people think. All that matters is what God says about me and the mm-hmm. word. I am loved. I was called for a purpose. Um, I might have trials, yeah. but I'll experience love. And someday I will go on to eternal life. And and the freedom in not having to do, 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 but allow and trust God to do in my life is day and night. Yeah. And what's really cool is from that moment of trusting Christ, you and me, everybody who has, we get thrust into the middle of a process that is promised because I don't know if it's that passage you were reading and we'll put that passage in our show notes, but he says, those who God chose, he called and those he called, um, he saved and those he saved, he sanctified and those he sanctified, he glorified. And I may not have all those verbs correct, But every single one of those is in the past tense. So for you and me, our glorification, it's a done deal. It's done. Yeah. Um, And it's promised and we will see that happen eventually. But I mean, but that's why we can carry on best day, worst day. We've been put into the middle of this process that is a guaranteed process. 
because it's being controlled and it's being run and it's being guaranteed by God who's put, it says, I think in that same passage, I think you were in Ephesians 1, um, mm -hmm. it says he's put the seal of his Holy Spirit on us as a promise, as a guarantee of those things. And so again, the reason why it's guaranteed isn't because I'm gonna pull it off so well, but because God actually places his own spirit inside me to make sure. So God now has put himself in me and that's gonna guarantee the process because it's God and his process. And so I'm along for the ride and yes, I, I've been created to do good work, so it's not like I sit with my arms folded and let God like transform me into this beautiful creature. No, I actually move into the messiness of life and the brokenness of life, and I try and I fail, and sometimes I get it right and sometimes I don't. But in the end, it's this divine cooperative that's ultimately superintended and it's guaranteed. And the reason why I can keep moving forward, even though some days are going to mess up, is because no, I keep moving forward because I know what the end is. The ultimate end is my glorification uh, my perfection in him and i would really like to have you just develop some of the practical ways that works out but we're gonna have to do that in another episode because yeah there are a couple really like, good scriptures on, on this so we should look at them and see what god's saying to us about our new identity in christ because you're right, Lynn, it is so freeing, free to mess up, free to succeed, um, and free ultimately to give all the glory to Jesus, who's the one who's pulling it off. So yeah, let's talk about that next time. And still and always and forever loved yeah. by the only person that really matters. <laughs> yeah. Grace right. and peace to you, Joel. And to you, Lynn, until next time. So long. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. <laughs>